Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. And welcome to my independence report. My name is Kevin McDonald. It's Monday. It's Monday. It's such a nice day. Well, okay, it's rainy here. And the gentleman that we're talking to, his name is Chris Delaney. He's in England, in Manchester. Is it rainy there? I hear it does that a lot there, Chris. It rains all the time in England. But this week, we've had amazing sunshine. So I've been getting down to the beaches, down south, uh, over to Wales. It's been absolutely fantastic. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Because it does, I, you're along the same parallel as as we are in Washington. And we get, and we're right here on the coast. And so we get, not on right on the coast, but we, you know, we're close. And so we get, we get rained on a lot. So today's one of those, but now we're, then we're going to have like six or seven days of actual sunshine because it's getting to be summer months. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. We get like one day of sunshine a month and then, you know, the rest of it is just pouring down with rain. <laughs> Well, it keeps everything green, green and, and everything happy. Yeah, we've got lots of ducks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, <laughs> that's that's cool. Well, Chris, uh, we tried to do this last week and uh, we failed miserably, but I'm glad we made it this week. Um, and we're, we're all set up to do uh, talk about what you're going to talk about, which work, which, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this now or later, what I'd like you to do, if you know somebody who's looking for work, if you know somebody that wants to improve their financial situation and get a better job, um, you need to listen to this hour because Chris is an expert on uh, on interviewing techniques. As a matter of fact, in one of the uh, reviews that uh, I'm, I'm sure you've you've read this review, the guy said, "What Chris teaches." is unfair because it gives the applicant an unfair advantage over the interviewer. Do you remember that one? <laughs> I try not to read these reviews just in case they're negative. I kind of what a positive mindset. Well, I'm going to, that's a great one. I'm going to be Googling that tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause it's like, it's not fair. He's being so he's telling them how to get through it and, and to interview properly. And which is, which is different, by the way, we've got a book out that we want to reference. And that is what is your interview identity and how long has that book been out? Well, it's on pre-release this month. So it's, it's like right now it's just come out pre-release. And then the 1st of September, it'll be on Amazon and all the other bookshops. Oh, very nice. So we're right on the cusp of, of, of something great. Um, have you have you had it? No, you, you're not reading reviews. Right? <laughs> so you don't you don't know how it's been accepted so far, right? Yeah. So basically, people are kind of like pre-booking it now. They'll get it all delivered in the next couple of weeks. So the first hopefully the first reviews will come out at some point and my uh, publisher will say it's doing great. or it's doing terrible. <laughs> So now what, what caused you to, to write this book and, and what is your background and how are you able to help people uh, learn and uh, exercise some of these uh, interviewing skills? So I'm just passionate about helping people. So I do like interview coaching. I use hypnotherapy to help people overcome like phobias and fears. 
Um, but this book came about because I started reading quite a lot of research during COVID about the interview process. And all the interview research were kind of saying like very similar things. You know, people who do this tend to perform well. People who have these characteristics uh, advance the career quite easily. And this other group of people like really struggle for some reason. So all this research just made me to think, you know, if I can flip this research to away and start giving people advice about how you can succeed in the job interview and what little tweaks you need to make to be successful, that I can help hundreds of thousands of people, hopefully. So it came about from me being passionate about wanting to help people, but having all this research available uh, during the COVID period. Well, very nice. Very nice. Because I, you know, I was like I told you before we got on, I was in management for a very long time. And so I interviewed a lot, a lot of people over time. And it is amazing the different stories or the differences that people walk into an interview with. So it's obvious to me that nobody is out there giving them the type of experience and the type of blueprint that they need in order to interview properly so i'm glad that you're you're doing this because it it is so it is so needed by by so many because it just it's not something that you do all the time i think that's the problem as well you don't do it all the time so um the fear of the unknown the anxiety being the center of attention for 45 minutes is like lots of pressure for people but then on the flip side of it a lot of career professionals spend such a small amount of time preparing for a job interview but that job interview can get you a new job, a pay increase, a promotion, which then tends to like lead into like a better lifestyle, or you can you maybe got more money to do things with your family and your friends, or you can get a bigger house or whatever it is you want. So you've got this like powerful 45-minute situation that can change your life, but people don't prepare for it. No, and, and they don't prepare for it because they don't know how. Definitely. They don't know what they should be doing or should not be doing. It's it's like I always I always got the biggest kick out of the the kid who came in for a job and he was wearing up. Oh, let me change that. He he was wearing like an ACDC T-shirt and jeans, and he wanted he wanted a, a. I had a guy walk in one time. He walked in for a management position, and he came in in a T-shirt and jeans. It's like, what in the hell are you thinking? It's so funny, like the the way people like I don't know their mindset before a job interview can be completely different to how they act in normal life because when you stress, your brain sends different chemicals to your body, your body reacts in a different way. Like it, it stops digesting food because you're in this stressed state and that definitely affects like your natural behavior. I don't know if that's the reason why you put on an ACDC t-shirt or not or maybe you just wait to show he was like a, you know, a down-to-earth type of guy. <laughs> I'm pretty cool. I'm wearing a, you know, I, I don't know. And, and, um, the, the other thing, so let's get into it a little bit. Uh, what do you have uh, some steps that you would recommend that on any level at any interview that this is how you behave and what you do? Now let's yeah. go through that a bit. So all the research, when you read like hundreds of thousands of different uh, papers, they all say the same three things. The three rules for a successful job interview is one, identify the job criteria because then you know what you need to talk about in a job interview. Rule number two is be a self-promoter. So many people disclose weaknesses, don't really sell their skills, strength and experiences. Even in promotional interviews, people just really um, stop expressing themselves because I think their managers should know what their talents and skills are because they work for the organization. But you need to be telling people what you're good at, what you can offer for their organization. And then rule three is to communicate with confidence. 
Uh, anxious individuals will use more filler words, will mumble, will have shorter sentences. Where confident people with high levels of self-esteem will use descriptive language, emotional words. They'll ask questions to the interview rather than just uh, replying with an answer. They'll make it into a conversation. Uh, and they're more uh, intuitive uh, with uh, like emotional intelligence. They can read the expressions of the interviewers and respond uh, in in the moment to to how they think the interview is like um, receiving their answers. So the three rules are to identify the job criteria, be a self promoter, and communicate with confidence. Now, um, and I, I'm sorry, I have not read your book yet, but I wanted to go down this ro road with you a little bit because there's also a pre thing that you do before the interview to even set yourself up to be able to get the interview. What do you recommend people do in their in their work in their work life when they identify a job that they want? And yes, there so are go ahead. I was gonna say this this kind of happened to me like when I left school, I left with no qualifications, I was dyslexic, and I got into this uh, like manual um manual handling work, you're working in warehouses and factories, but I was passionate about wanting to help people and I just believed because I had no qualifications that I'd never get paid uh, or get a job in that sector where I could help people. So I started volunteering, I started volunteering, learning new skills, reading books about how to motivate people, how to make people more confident, going on training courses and uh, eventually getting qualifications in that sector. And it was that mixture of passion and I, I had a really good opportunity as well that came together that made me successful. So if you're looking to like jump careers, get a new job in a new sector or to find that first ideal position, you need to make sure that you're doing stuff that gives you the skills, qualities and experiences that you can talk about in a job interview. Because if you don't, if you don't reference the job criteria, you're never going to score high on the uh, interview scorecard. Exactly. Exactly. I have, I have a real quick story. You tell me if I did the right thing. I was in the food business for a long time. And I was a food salesman for a particular company. And I found out that there was a position going to be opening to a brokerage company, a food brokerage company. They had all kinds of products and they were taking on a new product line, which was a um, mayonnaise salad dressing line. And it was called Nally's. It's, it's, it's local up here. And, uh, so I, I went and, and talked to them to just the, the, the uh, uh, receptionist briefly. I didn't get a chance to get the interview, but I set up the interview. And, uh, and so I went home. I went to the store, and I, and I bought a jar of Nally's um, mayonnaise, emptied the jar out, cleaned it out, put a bow around it, put my resume in it and took it back there and put it in the door uh, so that it would be available to them when they open the door the next morning. And he, and he said, you know, and this is a sales position. So you got to think creatively. And he said, I've never had anybody do anything like that. And it's like, I didn't get the job because they didn't get the line, but, but still it's, did I do the right thing? That is absolutely amazing. I love that story. There's something that's similar where our web designer was out of work for a couple of years. So instead of creating a CV to send off to organizations or a resume in America, he made it look like an, an Amazon sales page and he had his own reviews on there, which was like his references. He gave himself five stars. But it was kind of like before the internet was as big as it was now. Uh, and he got lo offered loads of jobs, but it went viral, this uh, online uh, Amazon CV or resume. It was brilliant. You've got to be creative sometimes. You've got to think out of the box because what you're finding uh, in recruitment in general, but especially in a job interview, is most people who apply for the, your job 
will have very similar level of experience and qualifications. Because generally speaking, a lot of people have degrees now. A lot of people will, depending on how old they are, will have five or ten years experience, which which is in, in line with this type of salary you go for normally. So everyone who's applying for your job is dead similar. So why should I hire you? What makes right. you stand out? Like what, what can you offer me uh, and my organization? You've got to do something to stand out. Exactly. And, and a lot of times I, I, I was interviewing for a job. And uh, when I went in for the, for the actual interview, finally, he, he showed me on, on, on his, um, um, in his office was a, was a couch. And on the couch was a stack of paper that had to be two feet high. And he said, those are all the resumes that I've had to go through. And because they, a lot of people wanted this job. So you got to separate yourself uh, from other people or you're going to get lost in the shuffle. Definitely. One of the things that might be quite big in the future is uh, video resumes. Uh, oh. I think LinkedIn are going to start uh, having them on their um their platform as well so video resumes you can really be creative with that like background music you can you know uh, video cut your video to make yourself stand out and do lots of different things um i think that i think that's going to start getting people to 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 have like the eyes on them but apart from that uh, there's quite a lot of like subconscious things that happen in job interviews as well and one of them is the affinity bias so if i uh, Google you, Kevin, and I realize that you like the Beatles and I like the Beatles. I can naturally mention that in the job interview. And then you'll have a bit of an affinity. You'll go, oh, we've got, uh, we've got similar tastes, which naturally draws you together. And a big part of being recruited is liking. If people like you, they start scoring you subconsciously higher on the scorecard. And what we find with job interviews is it often come down to like one or two points. Like I said, most people have similar experiences, similar qualifications, so their examples are the same. The interview hears the same thing day after day after day. So everyone gets a very similar marking. But if for some reason I kind of like you, I might give you an extra point on one of the questions. Or if I don't like you, you might get a, a minus point on one of the questions. That single one point can be the, the, can be the thing that gets you the job, gets you that pay increase, and gets you that promotion. Just one single point. Now, what about uh, smiling? Uh, you'd be amazed how many people. I know it's a deadly serious situation because you you don't have any money, you need a job, and you need the job now, and so that you can eat and you don't get thrown out of your apartment and all this other bad stuff that happens to you. But you got to be a bit of an actor because you do have to. You have to smile. You have to look relaxed. And, and, and is that right? Well, hopefully you don't have to be an actor because if you generally got good level of self-esteem you'll be happy you'll be smiling that hopefully that's kind of part of your persona and really the job interview is about going in there being yourself but most people can't be themselves in job interviews because they're too stressed and too anxious which is why stuff like the book like really helps it gives you tip tips and techniques and like interview formulas to give you uh, a bit of support but really all the advice out there all the support you can get is to just to reinforce your level of confidence so you can promote yourself to the best of your ability but smiling does is a warming facial expression. And when you smile, people will like you a lot more. And the reason they like you a lot more is we have mirror neurons in our mind. So when you when you see a facial expression, even a micro facial expression, your brain copies that expression and then you feel that emotion. So if someone's smiling, you'll instantly feel that happy emotion yourself and then start associating associating that with the uh, with the applicant. 
even if you're like a proper negative, moody, like horrible like, interviewer, if someone smiles all the time, you can't help but like it. Like as soon as I met you, Kevin, you got great tonality, you got a great presence, you're smiling all the time. When you laugh, your head goes back. Like who can not like you, Kevin? You're such a warm person. And if, if I was your uh, interviewer, I'm gonna I'm gonna want you on my team just because you're such a nice guy. <laughs> well, and, and I, I thank you for that because I, I've I've actually done really quite well in interviews over the course of my life, and a lot of that's because I listen and I'm, I try and be engaging. I try and actually say something relatively intelligent, not stupid. And I and the questions I ask. I, I want them to be intelligent questions that are meaningful and stuff. So I, you know, but I learned that by being an interviewer, um, mm-hmm. because there are so many interviewers that that uh, um, they're they're not very. Sometimes you they can be very they intentionally. I, at least I found, and I'd ask your opinion. They intentionally give off the impression that they're mean and nasty because they want to put you under as much stress as they can during the interview do you find that to be true it's so funny interviewers because you got two camps basically so you got often like a hr team who get recruited um uh, with hr qualifications they get trained how to interview people they kind of understand unconscious bias and then use techniques to overcome that so it doesn't affect the interview process so you get this like trained group of people interviewing you but actually, in like 80% of job interviews, it's, it's your, your potential line manager who's interviewing you. And they often haven't been trained, don't really get unconscious bias, and Google what type of interview questions to ask people. So they're not even relevant to the job role that you're applying for sometimes. So the person who interviewed you has got like this massive effect on how you perform in the job interview and how they understand what you're trying to portray. And then if you've got someone who's been like really cold and nasty and like being you know, you're going to answer my questions. That's, gonna, that's so going to put you off so you're not being your natural self. And I kind of get it in, like, high-stress roles or, you know, if you're being a broker and you're handling, like, a multi-million-pound contract or something like that, you kind of need someone who can handle these situations, but not in, like, 95% of jobs. Like, just imagine a cold interviewer in, like, a retail job. Are you, are you going to put those beans? <laughs> you know, like, what's all that about? And people do that. Like, people think you have to be nasty in a job interview but really, the job interview is the employer's way of predicting the job performance of each candidate. And to do that, you should be warm, you should be nodding, you should be encouraging, asking additional questions, getting people to relax a lot more. Because then you applicants open up, they open up because they relax and they tell you about their experiences and their skills. And then the interviewer and the interviewee have a perfect match, hopefully. But they don't do that often. No, and... <laughs> You know, you know, and I, oftentimes uh, an interviewer and I had assistants that would interview people and they they would be sitting there being stoic and stuff. I want them to be relaxed at ease so that they can be themselves, because once they're themselves, I can find out what I really want to know. Are they going yeah. to be a good employee, a good person? Definitely. I find like with the research that I read, the structured job interview is the best way to predict job performance. So the structured job interview is where you get asked the same questions to each candidate. And there's a scoring system often between like one and four. So four is great and one's not too good. 
So the reason why that's so successful is because each score has got like the ideal answer next to it. So you can compare that to the applicant's answer and you can also compare each applicant against each other. Uh, so that's why it's so successful. But the unstructured job interview is just like a natural conversation, a little bit like we're having now. There's no kind of prepared questions. You're not telling me what you're going to say. We're just having a chat, really. And that that is really good because it allows people to open up and you get to understand their values, their personality, uh, their motivational types. You can match that to the culture of the organization. But on its own, it's kind of not enough because you don't. Um, you don't understand how they fit into the job duties and the job role. So I, an ideal job interview is a little bit of a mixture of those two things, um, a structured job interview followed by maybe like an informal one. Exactly. I wanted to touch bases with you about something that uh, I left. I left management 20 years ago, so I haven't interviewed anybody in a while. But now there's a whole new thing with uh, social media. And how does that come into play nowadays do they really i've heard that this is true but i don't know it uh, i'm hopeful that you can shed some light on it do p do employers really go to your facebook page and your instagram page and and check out your posts and see what you're doing so i love that you said that uh you left management 20 years ago and you don't interview people anymore like you interview people all the time on the podcast <laughs> That's that's true. That's, and that did give me quite quite honestly, that did give me quite a lot of experience as far as how to put people at ease, how to have a have a good time in the conversation, how to listen properly, uh, how to shut, knowing when to shut up, uh, and stuff like that. But but is social media a uh, um, a big deal these days? Yeah. So two things with social media is one, you as the applicant can use it. So I talked before about affinity bias. One thing you can do is start googling who your interviewers are or go on Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever and find out what their interests are. If they work for an employer that you previously worked for or um, what sort of qualifications they've got, you can find so much information out and then naturally talk about that in the job interview to get that affinity bias. Uh, the second part, or, or well, to answer your question, is some interviewers do check social media. So for the book and just in general, I speak to a lot of employers and find out what their recruitment processes are and what works and what doesn't work. Uh, and depending on your sector and the uh, often if it's a large organization or not, uh, they do go on your social media feed and check uh, what you're what you're writing on there. You, but you they don't even need to personally personally do that because they can have AI systems that do that for them that check social media. Like if you're applying for Google, I don't know if Google do this or not, but Google could easily couldn't they just check check every comment that you put onto the web, can't they, with their algorithms? Uh, but it is important to especially if you're going for professional roles, is to look uh, at your social media feed. Just as an example, I can't remember the lady's name, but this young girl, I think she was 18, uh, became like the youngest um, uh, uh, ambassador for the police force in the UK. And it was like this big thing that happened a couple of years ago, and there's like loads of media about it. And then one of the newspapers uh, searched her Twitter feed and I think it was either a sexist or a racist comment that was on it. But from years ago, when she was like 13 or 14, probably done in humor at the time, and she actually got kicked out of her job role after like two or three weeks of being in there because uh, of what she put on Twitter like several years before. So never post naked pictures of yourself or naked pictures of somebody else or, or something that is 
uh, uh, racist or or so can be even perceived as as that. I I would advocate if you're really looking to excel in the marketplace, shut up and keep your face off of Facebook. Yeah, definitely. You you need to be professional on these platforms now. It's such it's such a big part of our world. Like you know, everyone looks on there, don't they? And they might not follow you, but they might be following one of your friends who's following you as well. It's so easy to uh, to be in contact with people. And if you are posting like a lot of what you might perceive as humorous material that is offensive to certain people, it's, especially if it's, it's a common thing you do, it's going to get picked up. And even if they interview you uh, because they can't not interview you for that reason as, as a potential there's a thing called the halo and horns effect. So the halo effect is if your application form like sounds amazing or you got uh, a really good social media feed where you talk about industry insights and sector updates and giving advice and opinions and employees are like, wow, this is amazing. Because you got the halo effect, they're more likely to score you higher during the job interview because of your pre-interview application. But it's the same with the horns effect, so like the devil effect. If you've got loads of negative stuff out there or the interview read your application they're kind of thinking oh i'm not too sure about this person that's their opinion that filters your interview answers so pre-interview like preparation is key because it can be part of the unconscious bias that affects your interview skills absolutely now if how do you help somebody with hypnosis yes uh so i, I clip my fingers and i say you're cured <laughs> 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 and you're gonna sound like it. You're gonna you're gonna bark like a chicken. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna bark like a chicken. Yeah. So hypnosis is great because what you're essentially doing is getting someone who's got a negative emotional association to a stimulus. So you're scared of spiders, or you're scared of going to the job interview. And all you do is getting someone to relax to a level where you can change that association. So instead of being fearful of the spider or the job interview, you can get them to feel more calm and relaxed and then associate that new feeling uh, with that stimuli. And it's a very easy technique to do because you can imagine that um, situation like the job interview being really far away. So, it's, so you're saying, oh, you remain calm and you're confident and you relax. And just as you're feeling calm, confident and relaxed, imagine the job interview, but it's really far away so you can barely see it. So it doesn't really affect them anyway. And you bring that image closer and closer, but increase that level of confidence and that level of calmness. And before they know it, they're in the job interview or holding a spider, feeling calm and relaxed. And that's essentially what I do during the 60-minute hypnosis sessions. Now, can you do those over the phone? Do you do Zoom? Do they need to be in your in in face to face? So no, you can do it anywhere really. So I do it, I do it because I work with American clients quite often. Actually, I do it on Zoom and uh, and over the phone. Some people like it face to face because they kind of want to have that rapport with the hypnotherapist as well. But really, it's it's not about being face to face. Because the idea is you close your eyes and you you know, you kind of drift off into your imagination and your imagination and your subconscious that make all the natural changes. Um, the, the main thing is getting people to want to change because that's a turning point. You know, people have anxiety and fears and, uh, and phobias for like 20, 30, 40 years. And it's like, how can I make that change? You're making them want to change. You make them want to change. Then they'll be successful in that therapy session. When you are talking with somebody, and by the way, if somebody wants to call you or to work with you, do they do it via email? Can they call you? How does that work? So I just have um, contact forms on my website. So my hypnotherapy is on Christopher-Delaney.com. And all the interview stuff is on employmentking.co.uk. And it's just book booking forms at the bottom of all my pages, and people just contact me that way.
So if you are, if, if, if the interview has always been problematic for you and you don't feel comfortable with it, I would highly suggest that you get in contact with Christopher because he can help you make it more comfortable. And quite literally, it could add thousands of dollars to your portfolio in a year because you can get that job that you might not otherwise have gotten. Is that, is that been your experience with helping people? My favorite um, feedback I got is uh, when one guy emailed me and said, oh, thanks for the, for the one single session. And I think it was really early on in my, que- in my career. I think I might have been charging, I don't know, $40 or $50 or something. And he goes, thanks for your session. I just got a £100,000 uh, yeah, £100, pay rise or something. It was like a CEO going from like a, one organization to another. I was like, I should have charged 10%. What the hell am I doing? <laughs> A hundred thousand dollar pay raise. That that would yeah. be yeah. It was something. It was something ridiculous anyway. But mo- most people kind of get like you know ten ten k, don't they? Uh, but yeah, he, he was at a very high position, and he struggled actually. He was very he was also very skilled, very talented, and he struggled with two things. One was kind of framing the answers so he could like sell his experiences, but the second one was the. Um, the public speaking aspect uh, in those roles, you often have to like do a presentation and present data and stuff like that. And he really struggled uh, standing up in front of like a panel of people and having to present like live. That's a real skill, being able to stand up in front of a group of people and appear. Nobody's comfortable, but to appear to be comfortable and uh, and to actually have something intelligent to say and not just stand there and look at people. <laughs> it's it's interesting as well because it's interesting because everyone says this but with that particular client he said in the boardroom i'm a master you know presenting data to my team i can do it every single day in the job interview in the job interview i fall to pieces and this is the thing you might be dead confident in life you might be really confident in your career but in the job interview in that particular environment people are really anxious because the pressure is on them um they do research every year to like what's the most common phobia and the most common phobia every single year is being the center of attention. So people are more scared literally about talking about themselves than they are of dying. Of dying? Yeah. Yeah. So dying. So being scared of dying is like two or three where being the center of attention. So speaking in public and interviews and that sort of stuff is always number one. People are more scared of that than anything else. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, I, but I can, be, I can believe it. now I've, I've always, you know, been a bit of a ham anyway, but so I've never, I've never had that particular issue. Um, but you know, I can understand that a lot of people do. I have another quick story for you. How would you handle this? Um, I worked for a guy, his name was Tom. He was the dining room manager at the double tree where I was working and the food and beverage manager's name was, um, uh, George. I'll leave out the last names. Well, George, I uh, didn't like Tom very much. And so he fired Tom. Uh, fast forward a six, six or eight years. Tom left that job and got a corporate job working for Holiday Inn. So he was in charge of like 20 different Holiday Inn food service departments. George got fired from the Doubletree eventually, and he ended up being interviewed. <laughs> being interviewed by Tom for a job with Holiday Inn. <laughs> and and first of all, if would you advise him to even bother to go to that interview? 
<laughs> well, do you know you why not? Like you got to take your chances sometimes, aren't you? Because I always find like being successful is one is having the skills and talents and the passion for what it is you do. But the other part is just luck. You need luck in your life. So you sometimes go to that job interview, befriend them, reframe like that whole situation with several years ago. You can like explain that in a particular way that might make you look like the hero instead of the villain. Uh, and if not, and if, if it does all fail, it's a great experience. And if you get onto a podcast, you can tell that story, can't you? So it's a win-win, really. That's exactly right. Well, it was funny because the interview ended up with uh, Tom going, "Don't you remember that you fired me?" <laughs> <laughs> now that last advice I'd never give anyone. Don't don't remind them that you. Fired. <laughs> Do you not remember that you fired me? I was rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> that's right and so uh so needless to say he didn't get the job but um uh, but th- that's that's some of those things happen in interviews that are just amazing um oh, and they're funny stories but uh, it wasn't funny for poor old george at the time because he he left and he still didn't have a job um but that makes it that makes it tough um what is appropriate and what is not appropriate to talk about in an interview is is money appropriate to talk about no, so this is everyone always asks about uh, the money question all the time, but often you don't get asked, you know, what are your salary expectations until you get to the, like the second or third round of job interviews because they're not going to offer you any money until like you like the last one or two people and they're kind of making that final uh, decision. So you don't really want to bring that up as well. Like most organisations will present the salary uh, as part of the job advert, so it's kind of clear what it's going to be. Um, there's always like a set to average as well, so you kind of know what type of salary you should be expecting for that position as well. But I've got a great negotiation tip when you are negotiating your salary. So what happens is a technique called baseline technique, and whatever number you present to someone, they'll use that as the baseline. So as an example, if I said um, pick a number between one and ten, and then I, I, I like name a number, you're more likely to pick a number around that particular number. So I said pick a number between one and ten, and you know you, it doesn't have to be four, but that was just an example. You're more likely to say three, five, six, or seven compared to nine or ten. Um, so it's the same when in salary negotiations. Whoever offers the first salary, the next negotiation will be based on that salary. So as an example, if an employer says, I want to offer you £30,000, you'll say £40,000 and you'll meet halfway at 35k. But if you set the salary negotiations off at um, uh, £45,000, they'll probably come in about £35,000 and you'll meet at £40,000. So it's a 5k pay rise in that situation. So always be the first person to uh, initiate the actual salary negotiation. That is great advice right there because you, a wise man once told me you only get a first interview once. Um, And after you set the tone, after that, it's all downhill from there. And if you undersell what you are going to be capable of doing for the organization, and part of that underselling is by by bidding low because you want to get the job, you're bidding low on what what you're going to accept as a salary, uh, sometimes that backfires, doesn't it? I had someone who I was interviewing and we were negotiating the salary and I kind of said, like, that's that's kind of it now, you know, I can't go ahead anymore. 
Uh, and then she kind of said, well, that's great. You know, that's fine. Uh, I will accept it. And I know we've kind of been discussing the salary for a, a couple of days now, but that just shows that my negotiation skills are very strong. And that's what I'll be bringing to this team. So she reframed that whole, I think she thought I was getting sick of negotiation, but she reframed it in a way where I was like, yeah, you, you actually, have, you are going to be a great negotiator. <laughs> and, and that's what you got to sell yourself. And a lot of people have trouble with that. Uh, making 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 the argument that you are the best for the job. Yeah, so I think what's you... really sorry. I, thought, I think one of the things that people always miss out on job interviews is they always talk about past experience. So, give me an example when you did this thing, and they say, "Well, previously in this role, I did A, B, and C." You need to as well make it relevant for that job. So you can summarize by saying, "So as you can see, I, I have these skills, which means when I work for you." I will be able to do A, B, and C as well. So don't just talk about past achievements. Make it relevant to that job role and their organization. Make them see the value of that skill or that experience that you're discussing in the answer. Because that skill can be used in a whole bunch of ways. that they have, Sometimes they're interviewing you and their job responsibilities that you don't even know about yet, and they don't bring them up. Um, has that been your experience as well? Definitely. Job descriptions are really funny because job descriptions are what kind of what you base your interview answers answers on when you're trying to prepare your interview questions. But most most job descriptions aren't the actual job. You get into a new organization. It's completely different to what you discussed on the application form. I don't know why employers do that, but it's so common that it's kind of like a little bit misleading as well. And what you need to do as well in the interview, because some kind sometimes the questions are kind of generic or ambiguous. You need to try and pick up what the culture of the company is and talk about the, the values that they embed in their everyday uh, operations. So as an example, if you go into a company and they, they keep talking about like being innovative and innovators, like bring up that you're a creative person, that you always got loads of ideas, that you like trying new things, compared to saying that you use the same techniques over and over again to get really solid results. Think about these small, specific values and the company culture because that really draws people into them. Uh, people want to get someone who's part of the team, who's part of the culture. Are there are there huge differences in cultures from employer to employer? And is it based on the 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 family that that created them, or the CEO at the time, or it, it, so? What are some of those differences? So we're kind of working or applying for work now in a global job market, especially like online tech jobs and stuff. Anyone around the world can apply for those positions and vice versa. You can work anywhere you want to work. So each country's kind of got its own culture as well. So some countries will be like a top-down country like China where they kind of you have to do, you know, do what you're kind of told to do. So as an example, if you're applying for a job in America, which is more about being collaborative and being creative and people sharing responsibility, and the interview question is about problem solving. A uh, uh, someone from China might talk about waiting to be directed, waiting to be told what to do, where the American employer will be wanting ideas and suggestions and collaboration. So some, sometimes the country uh, where the employer comes from or where the job is based or their, their heritage really affects how they filter your information but on a smaller level level with company cultures it's massively massively important because one company might like routine and using the same old practices and other organizations will be uh, really creative and innovative and for and you see this with, when technology changes you know we have a thing called the yellow pages in england back in like the uh, 90s and the 80s 
And yep. it basically had every business in there. So you like you you went through this page and, and found any business. But as soon as the internet came on, we didn't need that. We just Googled everything. But Yellow Pages was really beha- far behind. They didn't realize the internet was going to take off like it did and lost like billions of shares and stuff like that because they wasn't innovative and creative enough. And this is why organizations work and search for certain people, certain characters. Yeah, because uh, like that's one of many, many businesses that, that thought they were really thriving. And suddenly the technology went away from them and they didn't evolve with it. Um, yeah. we're, we're having that problem in this country with uh, great big uh, box uh, retail stores. Nobody's going shopping anymore. Everybody's going online to do shopping. And so they don't need all the space that they've got, but they have a lot of them are trying now to catch up, but it's, it's very hard. It's, it's very interesting, all that as well. Just simple things as well, where the culture of an organization, say it's a retail company, might be like, we've got the product, so the customers kind of have to wait for us because it's like a demand thing. Where Amazon kind of changed that market, you order something today and it's here 12 hours later, isn't it? You know, they're looking at getting drones to like drop parcels off when you're walking down the street or in the park. So they make it very customers focused. So some organizations are kind of, um, are going to be are going to lose business because their culture of the company or their management style isn't following the trends uh, that the people want. Well, you know, I'll tell you, um, I in the last since COVID, I've I've been shopping at uh, uh, Amazon a lot more. I cannot figure out how they can make it pay because I'm I'm an Amazon uh, uh, Plus guy. How they can make it pay by not charging me freight on a $10 item and delivering it the next day, uh, I, I almost feel guilty because they can't make any money doing that. But they, they apparently they figured out a way to get, to get that done. I don't know. Well, I can tell you, I can tell you the secret they got. The secret is Amazon is so good that we come on here to talk about job interviews and recruitment. And then after I went to the phone call, we talk about Amazon and how great and how wonderful they are as a, as a retail supermarket. And that's the difference. But bring it, kind of bringing it back to the job interview as well, if you're applying for like uh, a marketing position with Amazon, what sort of person are they going to want? Somebody who's kind of like the customer needs to come to us. You know, we're, we're like the big company and, and it's all about the, the customer like bowing, bowing down to us. Or is it, are they looking for somebody who's like customer focused who wants to make it quicker and faster and cheaper and better, who's innovative, who's creative? That's what they're looking for. Uh, and I'll tell you, if you're going to go uh, take a uh, go take an interview with Amazon, you need to talk to Chris. And I'll tell you why. Um, the last job I had before this one, I was uh, driving a bus, and one of the gals that worked there or that was there, she rode the bus and she worked for Amazon. She was in uh, a human resource procurement, and and what she would do is they had a whole series of the types of interview questions and how they did it. And it was all through analytics and it was very structured and they all wanted, they would ask you questions that you need to know the answer to, or at least to find an answer to. Um, so you, you need to talk to Chris because I'll tell you that it's a very exacting process. They put people through. Yeah, definitely. Do you know what as well? Like kind of predicting job interview questions. is pretty easy. There's kind of like three, easy ways to, to guess the job interview questions. I mean, you can guess and you can prepare like really good, strong answers. So the first one is the job criteria that comes with your application form. The common stuff that's repeated over and over and over again in that document is quite likely to be one of the questions. So to talk about creativity, innovation, lots, you're going to be asked, you know, give, give me an example of being creative or innovative. 
The second one is uh, going on places like LinkedIn and finding people who work or worked for that organization, um, engaging them online and then kind of asking them what the company's like, building up a bit of friendship with them, and then finally kind of go, you know, what questions did you get asked in your job interview? Uh, and then the final easiest one is kind of just Googling um, common questions for whatever your, your, your job role is and then get the common questions that are asked in that particular sector. But by kind of understanding what you're quite likely to be asked allows you to pick the perfect examples, especially when you Google stuff like the company culture or you spoke to people who give you an insight to how the organization operates. Your answers will kind of hit all the criteria on the scorecard, which leads to high scoring interview answers. You know, that's brilliant. Brilliant. Go on on LinkedIn and find people that work there because they'll have either something really good to say or not so, depending. But uh, so so basically what you're saying to me is that because I've, I've never known this to be true, that a lot of people go into an interview and they do not prepare. They don't do their homework prior to and they go in and try and wing it. It's not a very good smart answer, is it? It's, it's crazy as well because it is such a big stepping stone in your life when you get a job if you get a job that you love as well like you, your work-life balance is amazing because you're not stressed going to work you're working for an organization that you're proud to be there and the salary is often quite good and you know it's such a big stepping stone in your life you should really put some effort in even if you don't kind of like buy the books or book an interview coaching session or whatever like prepare like don't you spend 30 minutes thinking about what to say practice public speaking go to an improv class improv classes are great for job interviews if you get asked um uh, to stand on stage and talk about a chicken that's chasing a dog and you have to just talk about that now and then you can deliver like a great little speech or something when you get asked tell me about your experience about your life about your qualifications you can easily talk about that for like five or ten minutes can't you so improv public speaking but even just writing down your interview answers to the predicted questions did you write an interview answer down three times one that answer gets a little bit more succinct and the structure becomes a bit more better um but if you write it down three times it gets stuck in your head so when that question comes up it just naturally pours out of you without you having to think about it that's pretty cool that's pretty cool by the way the name of the book is what is your interview identity so we, let me ask you about that um when you say interview identity what do you mean so the the job interview is all about perception, how you're perceived by the employer. And generally speaking, uh, there's three things that affect the job interview. One is unconscious bias, which is just instant. So if the interview is sexist or racist or there's an affinity bias going on, that's kind of like instantaneous, like in milliseconds of meeting someone, you kind of get that I like or dislike you. The second point is um, the interview's behavior affects how the applicant acts in that interview. So if the interviewer thinks you're uh, not going to be a good fit for the organization, their behavior will change. That makes the applicant's behavior change. So it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So the interviewer <laughs> thinks you're going to be rubbish, you start acting rubbish. So it's like, ah, yes, I knew you were rubbish. So the third one, uh, which is what the books, the book covers all this, by the way, but the, the main thing is the interview identity. Now that's based on your level of perceived experience and knowledge for that job sector versus the level of confidence in that job interview. So you've got like loads of knowledge and experience, but your confidence level is really low. You're not really going to talk the talk. You're kind of just going to mumble your way through answers. They might know through your application form that you've got loads of experience and knowledge, or you might even have a bit of a halo effect, but 
if you can't communicate that during that 45 minute interview process, you're going to start getting scored low. Or you might be dead confident, you know, really charismatic, talk the talk, but you can't walk the walk because you've not got that sector experience or the qualifications that give you the models and theories to discuss during a job interview that's relevant to that job sector. They're going to kind of think, you know, I thought you was going to be really good, but now you're not coming across that good. So is there a bit of deceit going on here? So the, the most popular um, interview identity or the one that people want and the one that gets offered the most job roles the ones where you've got a high level of sector knowledge and experience and a high level of confidence because if you're confident, you can communicate your competencies to a level that people go, wow, this person's a person we need on our team or this person can bring so much to our organization or he's going to double our profit margins. So it's a high level of knowledge and experience versus a high level of confidence. That's what makes you successful in a job interview. And but if you've got a high level of confidence and don't have much experience and you're trying to bullshit your way through, that can be a very bad moment, can't it? Yeah, yeah. People can think you're being deceitful as well because when you kind of go when you're confident as well, like you, you self promote all the time, which is amazing in a job interview. You should always, always self promote in a job interview. Give best performing day answers, not average day answers. But if you're so confident that you're self-promoting, but you've got no idea what you're talking about, people are going to figure you out because you're going to talk about stuff and they're going, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> I know people who, I know people who've gone to job interviews and like use acronyms and I got, and I, I questioned them. So if you get interviewed by someone who's an expert and who is confident as well, if they don't know what, uh, what it is you're talking about, they will ask you if your interview is lacking confidence, they don't always challenge you. But someone who's, who's an expert will challenge you because they're passionate about the industry. So they want to know what it is you're talking about. So if you use an acronym, you don't really understand it. And they're like, oh, what does that mean? You're going to look like a right fool, aren't you? You're like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. I heard somebody say that one day, and I thought it was kind of catchy. I, you know, I, I don't know. By the way, we've been talking with Chris Delaney. And your website again, young man, if somebody wants to talk to you about a job interview. EmploymentKing.co.uk EmploymentKing.co.uk Awesome. And uh, uh, I think I put that up, but I'll, I'll make sure that that gets up. And uh, so uh, the book comes out and it's going to be in wide release in September? Yeah, 1st of September. So it'll be on all book uh, bookshelves and uh, online book places. So obviously Amazon is the big one that we've been talking about today. <laughs> By the by the way, can can I have your permission to put? Because I recently, I'm I've got a website that's coming up, and I would like to put your book on my uh, recommended reading website so that they can click on that and go to Amazon and buy your book. Can I do that? That'd be amazing. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, I would. Lo I love to do that because any time that I can help somebody get a better job, and or or by reading that book, they learn their interviewing skills so that they can go do that. Because I tell you, there's nothing more satisfying than 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 just acing a, a great interview. Uh, there's nothing more terrifying than screwing one up. <laughs> it's so true as well. But when you when you screw them up as well. I know this is like so common to say, but you do have to look at it like a learning development because the, if you don't look at it in that perspective, you'll just focus on the fear and the anxiety and anxiety just grows and grows and grows and it becomes like a beast that you can't control. And then that anxiety becomes associated with a job interview, recruitment processes, uh, going into meetings in the workplace. You become scared of talking. Uh, because that anxiety can go so big. So you, you need to look at it from like, you know, I've messed up here. 
you know, we had an interview last week, didn't we, Kevin? And my internet wasn't working. We, I couldn't. It was it was so embarrassing that I, that I might have gone. Oh, I I can't speak to Kevin again. That was ridiculous. It was so embarrassing. I can't do that. Oh, so unprofessional. But instead, I was like emailing you. You was emailing me. We got it together today, and it, it's working really well. You kind of have to laugh at these mistakes and you learn from the experiences and just go for it. You know. If someone don't like you because um, because of who you are or your experiences or your characteristics, it doesn't matter. Like if they don't like you, you probably weren't going to be suitable for that role anyway. Go to the companies that want hire you. Just be you. Don't you don't need to fake it. The whole interview identity thing as well. It's not about faking who you are. It's about just be you, but be 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 you naturally. Be confident. Be confident within yourself. Absolutely, because if you're not confident, then well, first of all, you got to know what you're talking about. And then once yeah. you do, you got to be confident about it. And then you got to convince the company that you're going to make them money. <laughs> it's, uh, do you know what? Like the bottom line, even like charities, charities need to make money to pay the bills, don't they? Yes, to, they do. to pay everything. That's, that's always what they're looking for. But every time you get asked a question, always think about the job. I'm thinking, why are they asking that question? Like, what's important? If, if it's about teamwork, like, why is it important? Uh, that they want you to re be a team player like what's the long goal for that the long goal at some point is to make money so you need to be talking about that you know talk about ideas that have been successful talk about when you uh, put suggestions in that's doubled the percentage of customers you got or reduced the amount of uh, errors you, uh, that the organizations make you know talk about how your work ethic uh, inspires other people so you know if you hire me my work ethic is really strong but you know, what, you know what I've noticed that when I work with different organizations that because I work so hard and so strong, like other people start working a little bit harder. It's like everyone is more productive by about 10%. What do they say? What do they say? Rising water raises all boats. Isn't that, that, that how that works? And it's also like if you, if you can uh, uh, talk to somebody and you're going to be in a management position and you say my last job, I cut, I cut turnover by 75%. Then they're going to say, "Well, why did those people stay?" It's because they, they, I do a good job working with them, and and it works out well. And we cut the the turnover rate, which meant we didn't have to train new people, and these people got better, and the productivity went up. It all worked hand in hand, and it was and you talk in those terms, people tend to like you. Yeah, you yeah, that's it. Yeah, like throw out all these key words as well. So you can kind of use up those like power words that you just described then or use uh, sector-related acronyms and models and theories because if you talk this talk naturally, you get perceived as having a higher level of knowledge and experience because only people who've worked in the sector or who are experts naturally use all that jargon and all, that info, uh, you know, all those terms. So just speak about them quite naturally throughout the job interview. Exactly. Chris Delaney has been our guest. Chris, uh, before we go, uh, give our audience just one golden nugget for them to take with them. So the, uh, the, the best golden, the best takeaway, the best golden nugget uh, that you can have is use the language the interviewer uses in the job interview. This is really important because people are motivated in very different ways and it's and their motivational trait comes out in the language that they use. So if you use their same language, you're then likely to have an affinity with them, rapport with them, and they can filter that information without generalizing it, without distorting it um, uh, in a way that makes you seem really, really hireable. So if they're talking at a very simple level, if they're talking about 
creativity, but they're using the word innovation, just use uh, that particular word. If they're talking about achieving goals, you talk about being an achiever and over uh, rather than overcoming obstacles because people are motivated by pain, getting away from problems, or they're motivated by pleasure, like achieving stuff. So use the language that they use because that really influences the job interview. Brilliant. Simply brilliant. Chris Delaney has been our guest. And go, uh, when the book comes out in September, it's What Is Your Interview Identity? And that's the name of the book. Chris Delaney has been our guest. Chris, thank you so much for being on, on the show with me. And it's been awesome. I'm glad, I'm glad you, we came back and we got it together because this has been a hell of an interview. It's been great fun. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. It's been brilliant speaking to you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. And uh, I got to do this ending and then I'll be right back. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.